The following conversation with Amber Kaiser, a board member with Indivisible Bend, originally aired on October 9th, 2020 on the Radical Songbook on KPOV 88.9 FM High Desert Community Radio in Bend, Oregon. The Radical Songbook is hosted by Michael Funky. It is a two-hour show highlighting the role that music plays in social justice and protest, and it airs Fridays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Amber Kaiser is my guest today. Amber is an accomplished author who lives in Bend and is a leader and a board member, actually, at Indivisible Bend. Um, Indivisible Bend, for those who don't know, is, and I'm quoting from their mission statement here, a grassroots community of activists in Central Oregon who support candidates and policies that advance justice and liberty for all. Indivisible groups were organized across the country following the 2016 election of uh, Donald Trump. Based on what he has said many times, there is growing concern that Trump will not accept the election results if he loses. He's rubbing up his base to challenge and intimidate voters at the polls, falsely claiming that male voting is rife with fraud, urging white supremacists like the Proud Boys to stand back and stand by. In short, Trump is doing his best to try and steal this election. Indivisible is joined with uh, another activist group, Stand Up America, to organize people to defend democracy. Some 100 organizations have signed up and pledged mass mobilization if Trump loses and refuses to leave office. You can learn more about this campaign at protecttheresults.com, and you can get involved with Indivisible Bend by going to indivisiblebend.org. Amber Kaiser, welcome to uh, the Radical Songbook. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I really appreciate your taking the time. Um, so let's just jump right in here. Um, and, you know, I, I think, I, I guess I would just want to say that um, this moment in history uh, that we're talking about this uh, uh, comes, you know, like 24 hours or so after we learned of a, uh, a right-wing uh coup attempt uh, in the state of Michigan that involved people seriously plotting to kidnap the governor, to uh, take over the state house, to and these are people who had already been in the state house in Michigan brandishing weapons while the legislature was uh, in in uh, in in session down below them. They were up on a balcony, and many of them are now in jail, um, and because they're domestic, they're being accused of. Uh, being a domestic terrorist. Um, so um, last week, Amber, you sent me uh, and some other folks an article by a guy named Daniel Hunter of the organization Waging Nonviolence. The article was headlined, mm-hmm. 10 Things You Need to Know to Stop a Coup. Coup is a significant <laughs> word, obviously. Um, it is. Yeah. I mean, it's like when we... It's, it's not a word you want to just brandish around lightly, like fascism is the same way. You don't want to just... You know, throw those those words around because they have serious meaning. Can you can you uh, can you start out? Could you talk a bit about why what this article says and why you feel uh, it's important? And we can just sort of share in that conversation. Sure. It, I, it's interesting that you started with this current news about uh, these white terrorist groups trying to kidnap the governor because. The, these groups, and, and I really prefer to call them, you know, domestic terrorist groups as opposed to this sort of more uh, palatable names like militia or patriot groups or three percenters or proud boys. Those are what they call themselves. And, but really we're talking about, right, 
organized groups of armed individuals who think that they should be able to be the ones to interpret and uh, the, the Constitution and, and, and our laws and uphold those somehow. And, and I, I'm glad you started there because Oregon has a, a pretty significant problem with these terrorist groups, and we've been dealing with this for a long time. I mean, think about the Malheur occupation, right? Yeah. Public lands, national wildlife uh, area that is owned by us, the people, right, by we the people, was occupied by these armed terrorists for for days, for weeks. So I'm glad you brought that up, um, although I think it is a little bit of a scary place to start, right? Um, and, and that's something I do think we should talk about. Um, but first, I think we should start really with basics, right? What are we trying to do? We want to have an election where everybody's vote gets counted, right? Yeah. So that's what we're really talking about. We're talking about how are we going to address any attempt to, uh, put a, to call elections before everybody's vote has been counted. Um, so, so that's sort of where I just want to say is our is our grounding place for this conversation. Right. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and and that leads nicely to this article by Daniel Hunter that you that you referenced, right? Because his number one, uh, you know, top exhortation to us is don't expect results on election night. And I think that is really critical, and it's really critical for all of us when we're communicating with our friends and family and on social media that we are not running around like chickens with our heads cut off, right? That we're saying, hey, we are in a pandemic. We are in an unprecedented election for so many different reasons, and this is going to take time. And while we all wish we had an answer, it's going to take time, and everybody needs to like calm down and be patient while we get those votes counted. So, so that, I think, is a, a really important place to start, right? And then the second place to start, to, to where we go from there, is if we start to see signs that there is interference, that there are organized efforts to not count all of our votes, then we need to be prepared to act. And that's what Indivisible is, is planning for Right. Daniel uh, Hunter, that article, he wants us to make sure that we, we do use that word coup. We call it a coup, right? That is what happens when the will of the people is superseded by actions by small groups of people in an effort to, uh, you know, undermine the will of the people for the will of, of a few. Uh, so, so, yeah, so it's a big word. So it's a lot to unpack for us in this conversation. Yeah, and and um, I um, I think this is something that we have to um, you know here in Oregon we have this mail ballot we've had it for a couple of decades, or, and so we're we've we've gotten pretty comfortable with that and pretty confident that um, that the, that our vote is is safe, uh, and we know that that. Um, and actually, over the years, that's been accepted over the years by both of the mainstream political parties that vote male voting is. But that doesn't mean that we should be complacent here in Oregon or even here in Deschutes County about what what could happen um, if the, if there's an effort by the Trump forces to stop the vote count or um, uh, or in, in any way. 
um, question and challenge the results. I uh, just as an aside, I, I spoke briefly with uh, Nancy Blakenship yesterday, who's the Deschutes County clerk, and she gave me about some background about you know observers and stuff that both both political parties essentially, and people that are not part of the either Democrats or Republicans, there is a there is a formula that is that the county clerk uses to allow for observers in in um, while the votes are being counted, uh, and both parties historically have accepted that and they have to sign a um, sign on to the um, policies that the county clerk has uh, uh, and uh, you know and they'll start the count they start the count they're allowed to start the count prior to election day but they keep it locked up so that nobody really knows none of the people that are counting necessarily know what the vote is they don't know what the vote is at all they don't know what the tabulation is but there are some concerns there um, and there are they're taking whatever precautions they need to take here in Deschutes County, and I assume the county clerks around uh, the state are as well. The um, but what you say when it, when we when Daniel Hunter what he talks about is is uh, we know it's a coup if the government stops counting the votes, declares someone a winner who didn't get the most votes, or allows someone to stay in power who didn't win the election. All of those things seem, um, they're things that Trump has basically talked about. Right. I'm glad you brought that up. So, right, the, the, the GOP is sort of trying to say that the problems in this election will result from regular folks who are stealing ballots and voting multiple times or something like that. That's sort of their main argument. The evidence is really clear that this is a non-issue, Right. We especially know in Oregon, and we're very lucky here, we know our mail-in balloting system is safe, right, and and reliable, and we should trust that 100%. So the real problem that we might see, um, or that we are seeing, right, um, have nothing to do with stealing votes and voting twice. Um, I don't think there's even a huge evidence that um, there... That, that we should be worried about, you know, people grabbing boxes of ballots and throwing them in rivers or whatever. I just, that is, there's no evidence to support that. But you're right. What they're, the, what we should be prepared for are the things that Trump has told us that he would like to do, right? <laughs> Refusing yeah. to accept the results, spreading lots of lies about voter fraud to make people not trust their process. That is a classic sign of tyranny, Right of authoritarian governments is to make people not trust their process. So I want to assure everyone in Oregon, you can trust the process here. Urging his supporters, like these, uh, you know, domestic terrorist groups to show up and intimidate people. FYI, that's illegal. Voter intimidation is illegal. So if there's somebody with an assault weapon standing in front of the box where you want to put your ballot in, there are things that, that you can do. Call the police, call the county clerk's office. Uh, there's a great uh, site at, um, I have the number somewhere. Uh, I'll have to put it up, but for uh, election protection, you can call 866-OUR-VOTE. Um, so that shouldn't be happening, although Trump is saying, hey, it's a great idea. And we're seeing it in other places already, right, in early polling places in other states. We're seeing armed militia folks show up and try to be intimidating. The other thing that, that we will likely see uh, is uh, that election results will head into the courts. 
right? Uh, and those issues are going to be really wonky issues, like what ball- ballots get counted, which ones are rejected, when do they stop counting, um, but all of those are attempts to uh, limit the, vote, the votes that get counted, and, and that's right what we need to be prepared for. We have to be prepared to refuse to accept any election results until all votes are counted. Um, you will, we, we sort of talked earlier about how long these, it might take for us to get answers. You'll see news outlets or pseudo-news outlets like Fox trying to call elections, right, trying to drive that narrative by giving the results that they want to hear before all the results are counted. Let's be aware of that. Let's call that out. Um, and then there are some people that are a little bit concerned about, about a rogue electoral college situation, which would put us into unprecedented territory, and, and uh, Indivisible will be planning for that, although right now our focus is uh, to make sure that we ha- that the people raise their voices and insist that all the votes be counted right. after November 3rd. Yeah. And and mobilizing people to actually vote, uh, I think that right. I, I'm I'm of the opinion that in this this election, I, I've often voted third party um, in situations where I didn't feel that my vote would necessarily uh, matter in terms of who actually won the election. But I would argue that, uh, and that, you know, those are termed safe states. I don't think we really have safe mm-hmm. states in that. I think the larger popular vote that can be built. I mean, if a massive popular vote can be built and and, and can be won, and that and that a strong electoral vote in those critical states in the country, um, in the Midwest, Midwest, Wisconsin, Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, down in Arizona, that the the bigger those votes, the le- the, the harder it com- becomes for. Um, for people in Congress, for people in the Senate, for for people that want to be on Trump's side to stand with him in defiance, if you understand what I'm saying, listeners, that, you know, I mean, we can, it, Trump, I, I, Trump will do what Trump will do, and that we have no, there's no control over that. Nobody has any control over that. Even Trump doesn't seem to have much control over it, but... If the, the the bigger the vote, the, the the more difficult it will be for anybody, really any anybody else, to seriously challenge the results. And so that, to me, that's like the, the, a critical thing right there is we need to build this vote. And it's, you know, there's already voter suppression as we know, and it's already going to be difficulties. But uh, it's interesting to see that in many states they're really taking taking it seriously and trying to do everything they can to maximize the vote. Yeah. Absolutely. When the Transition Integrity Project gamed out various scenarios around this particular election, the only scenario that in their simulations that led to a, a peaceful and uncontested transition of power was an absolutely massive majority voting. Right. Yeah. And so that's totally what we need to do. Um, and, you know, I'm actually really quite excited about this election for a whole lot of reasons, Michael. Um, one, we have amazing local progressive candidates that we get to vote for, so I'm super excited about that. Um, but also, we have some real opportunities here uh, post-election, right? I mean, what, what, what has Trump done for us? He has revealed all the cracks in democracy. Okay, so thanks. 
Thanks, Donald Trump, for doing that. I really appreciate it because <laughs> once you are no longer in office, Donald Trump, we are going to fix those cracks, right? We're going to address things like gerrymandering. We're going to address things like random closing of polling places. Um, we are going to uh, reduce the bar to register to vote, right? I mean, if you're Canadian, when you turn 18, you're registered to vote. You don't do anything. You just are, right? Uh, so we can make voting and reg- registering and voting a lot easier. We can uh, address issues around disenfranchised voters. Um, and we can actually make real real headway into foreign interference, which, it, you know, is likely to have, be at play in this election, too. So, so yeah, I'm super excited about getting people out to vote. And I, I want to remind our listeners that the most powerful thing you can do is to reach out to your friends and family and tell them you're voting and why. Tell them who you're voting for and why, right? They don't have to do what you say, but it really helps. And so if you check out our IndivisibleBend.org website, you'll see why we're supporting the candidates we're supporting here. Right. Yeah. And and so, yeah, that whole question of um, post-election um, uh, what to do after the election is, is really is really critical and, and also um, – has some some fantastic, in my view, I agree that some some fantastic potential if we can mobilize, if we can mobilize people. And and what Daniel Hunter talks about in his article, um, Ten Ways to Stop a Coup, is that he talks about knowing that these things can be stopped by regular people if they mobilize. And you know, one of the things he uh-huh. encourages is to to he encourages uh, readers of his article to talk to at least five people who would, if necessary you know, go out into the streets with you, the safest way to take to the streets is with people you know and trust, and basically in a mass, you know, so this is something that's being called for. If if Trump is calling and the Republicans are calling the whole process in into question is like mobilizing people, mobilizing right. masses of people, and uh, and basically just making it very clear that an overwhelming majority of people are, are showing up and that they are want to choose democracy uh and that was a slogan that he suggested which i think is a a really good one i mean it's not Mm -hmm. this is not a these are not the 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 idea of these things as he outlines them are not um it's not where you're out there with a grievance against uh uh, one person or another that you you need to take the uh, a proactive approach that says we are out here because we have widely shared core democratic values, and we ch- we want to choose democracy, and I think that kind of argument um, is more likely to win over people. Um, it's not an anti this or anti that thing necessarily. It's a pro democracy movement. Absolutely, and one of the things I loved about that article was the. Uh, were the various examples that he detailed of different countries at different points in history where where regular people saved their democracy by showing up. And we know that's powerful because we have already done it, right? Why do we still have the ACA? Because people were out in the streets, right? Why were we why have we been so successful in fighting various immigration bans and sort of the you know, the really evil immigration policies of this administration because we are we keep turning out that's right. right and that it has been 
so inspiring for me in the last four years to be on the front lines of these mobilizations and to know that, it, that we're making a difference. And, and we will continue to do that in this country because I do believe that the majority of people in this country want to uphold our democratic ideals to make this imperfect union more perfect, right? Um, it's a great line from Hamilton where he, he calls America, he says, America, you great unfinished symphony, right? We're working on it, right? We're working on making this the strongest, most robust democracy that it can be. And each and every one of us does that by showing up. Yeah, absolutely. And I wasn't familiar with, I, I actually have it's I'm not all that familiar with the details of Hamilton, so I think that's a great line, a great unfinished symphony. It's like, you know, those of us on the progressive side, we we all, I think, to one degree or another, we, we recognize uh, the flaws in, in U.S. US democracy and that it is imperfect and that we need to um, need to always try to bring about more democracy. And you mentioned those, those recent... Um, the recent examples that we've experienced and, you know, I can go back to, you know, um, the, the late 50s and early 60s with the freedom struggle, the civil rights movement, and then later on the, the movement that stopped the Vietnam War. They were all very long, long sustained movements of people in motion and people, mass, mass movements of ordinary people. I, I like to say that uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson didn't wake up one morning and slap his head and say, oh, my gosh, I forgot to sign the Voting Rights Act. He did it because masses of people demanded it. And and, and that's what we, we need to be able to coalesce all of these things into, um, in my opinion, into a into what's called a mass movement. And, and a mass movement is not necessarily violence in the streets. It's not at all. It's peaceful. But it's masses of people who are of the same mind and pushing forward. Uh, and yeah, I think Hunter Hunter is absolutely correct that that can win. People power can win. It's pretty. It's happened all over the world. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up nonviolent nonviolent resistance, Michael, because this is, is something I feel really strongly about. It's certainly Indivisible's core part of our core values that nonviolent protest um, and. In the reading that I have been doing about other countries who are on the knife edge between democracy and autocracy, the way we seem to be right now, nonviolent protest has been the key, right? Because when we go into the streets, we are saying that the side we represent is the side that should have legitimacy, right? We are saying we want you to choose democracy. We want you to count all the votes. We want you to respect those votes and have a transition of power based on those votes. That's what we want to maintain mm -hmm. as the legitimate perspective in this country, right? And we need and to maintain that legitimacy. I believe part of that is maintaining nonviolence. Because we know that the other side is already showing up at our protests with their guns and causing trouble, and, and we're seeing violence from the other side. And in my opinion, that delegitimizes their, um, their point of view. And I want to make sure that our movement remains nonviolent and inclusive. Yeah, and, and, and legitimized, uh, as you say, mm -hmm. that, you know, that we have to—we represent— um 
really um, the rule of law. We represent stability non- and nonviolence and democracy, and all those things are 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 tied together. As challenging as, as at the same time recognizing the limits of government that that have been you know that that have been placed upon us, at the limits of democracy that have been that that are out there that we also that we need to expand on all the time. Um, so after the election, um, do you want to go there? So, so let's talk about what we actually need to do sort of from now okay. until after the, the election. Let's keep it in a timeline just a okay. little bit. So, um, so first, I'm assuming all our listeners are registered to vote. I think the deadline is the 13th, so get that done. Ballots are going to drop on the 14th. Voting early um, is a great plan. Um, I think even in our local area, we should pay attention to what's happening around our ballot drop boxes. Um, certainly let Indivisible Bend know. If there is untoward activity when you want to go do your duty as, a, as an American and put your envelope in the box, um, because we'll need to address that. I really urge everyone to uh, sign up in two places. One, choosedemocracy.us. They have a pledge on their website that says, one, we pledge to vote. Two, we pledge to um, refuse to accept election results until all the votes are counted. So we've been talking about that. That's and three, cho- that's choose demo- will, I'm sorry. Can you repeat choose that? Democracy, choose democracy.us. Okay, thank you. Right? And so you can take the pledge to vote, to refuse to accept the election results until all votes are counted, and to nonviolently take to the streets if necessary. So, and then also sign up for protecttheresults.com. That is where you will be notified of direct actions. And that's the uh, group that Indivisible Bend is part of. And we are already planning for direct action on November 4th, if necessary. And, and you will learn about that either by being on our mailing list, which you can sign up for at IndivisibleBend.org, or through Protect the Results. And I just want to point out that I don't anticipate we are going to have nefarious ballot issues in Oregon. Because as I mentioned before, we have this wonderfully secure mail-in ballot system that's been in place for a long time. Uh, but we, we do need to take to the streets for other states and stand up for the, the issues we are likely to see in those swing states. Right. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. And, and I would ra- I also, I, and you may have seen this, there's, there are a variety of there's a few different groups that have sprung up kind of separate from one another kind of typical of the left in the United States that are basically focused on the same thing but with slightly different yeah. variations and and I guess what I would say to our listeners here in Central Oregon is that here in Central Oregon indivisibleband.org uh the vocalseniority.com which is related to indivisibleband.com.org those are the groups that I would say are the ones that are going to get you um, localized information about what to do, uh, and 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 what's ha- and what's happening basically. If you want, you know, and so there are other organizations out there in different parts of the country that are that are doing good work, and uh, I applaud them for doing that. But here we're we're looking for you know I think in my in my view indivisibleband.org, like you say, that's the go to place. Thank you. Yes, we try to be the go-to place for all things progressives need to know in this area. 
And you do a great job you know, I of it, I must say. Thank I mean, you. Very, thank you. Very seriously. Yeah. <laughs> I guess the other thing that I would really like us to be thinking about prior to the election, too, in addition to, you know, into mobilizing our personal networks to vote, is to stay calm, right? Let's not fall into the outrage machine on social media. Let's... Um, not engage with all those trolls and bots. And if those trolls happen to be members of your own family, right, then I think we really want to urge folks to recognize that it's going to take a while to get the results because we're in a pandemic and everything is very strange. Um, But we should all agree in America that this is a democracy and everybody's vote should count, right? So let's do that. Um, I think we can stay calm there. Um. And so then we get to election day, and hopefully we are all going to be celebrating a really decisive and incontrovertible blue wave in races all across this country. Um, But if we do end up needing to move into the streets, um, we will be letting you know when and where that's supposed to happen. We will be providing as much, uh, you know, we will doing, we'll be doing lots of advanced safety planning, lots of de-escalation. We'll have people that are on, um, that are on call for de-escalation if necessary. Um, we certainly, Indivisible Bend makes a real effort to work with our contacts in law enforcement with whom we have some good relationships to try and facilitate that process. I know that in Bend, it's been hard lately. There has been a lot of stuff going on that um, but just just so you know that the leadership of Indivisible Bend is trying to do everything we can possibly do to ensure safety for people who come out on the street. Yeah, and, and I, we'll uh, be ready, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I think by and large, yeah. I mean, there are you know obviously there's some real challenges with local law enforcement right now. Uh, but yes. that that's those are around. I mean, I don't want to over I don't want to over compartmentalize this, but. When it comes to the elections, I think it's a different it's a different issue, and I I do believe that right now, from all the nearest I can tell, unless there's something out there going on that I we're totally unfamiliar with, that we should we should be confident that 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 our law enforcement, that our county sheriff, is will stand with our county clerk, and our de- district attorney will stand with our county clerk. Uh, if there's issues that need to be resolved around around the election, the county clerk's office being election central, and that the Bend police will also stand uh, in defense of the right for people to vote. So uh, I, I, I do feel comfortable saying that, uh, despite a number of other issues that some of us have with uh, with with and, local and that local we, we want to be and that we want to be working on for sure. You know, we have 15 or so minutes left, Amber. Where uh, I leave it, where do you want to go with the conversation here? Is there anything, what, what, what have we not um, had an opportunity to talk about that you would like to uh, raise for our listeners? I had gone back in the last week to Timothy Schneider's book on tyranny, 20 Lessons from the 20th Century. Yeah. Great read for anybody. Uh, and... and in spite of the terrifying title, it is actually an incredibly optimistic book for yeah, me. Yeah, it's a great little and book. One of, and one of the things that uh, I've been thinking a lot about is this idea of how we advocate for facts and for truth. 
right? I'm a writer, and so words matter to me very deeply. And uh, and I guess that is that is why I really do want to urge folks to um, to contemplate their outrage, right? There are certainly lots of things that are outrageous that have been outrageous in the last four years. Um, but as we move into this election cycle, there, um, I think there is a real place for sort of clear-headed, fact-based, truth-speaking, and that that is what leads to democracy. Like, that is a, that is a uh, baked into the blood and bone of democracy, right, is that we can speak truths, that we can agree on facts, that we can recognize shortcomings. Um, and try to address them. And so I think I would urge you to take care with your social media intake, with your news intake in these next weeks. Um, I find that if I am starting to get anxious or outraged or stressed, I want to, um, I want to not feel that way. And so, you know, one option is to curl up in a little ball in the corner with my dog and not feel that way. Another is to take action. And for me, the answer is always action. So I feel better when I write postcards, um, you know, to help Phil Chang get elected to Shoots County Commission or when I make phone calls for these awesome progressive candidates we have running for city council, right? I, um, Indivisible Ben makes it really easy for people to get involved. Um, and so, so I, I, I think I, I want to urge people to turn their outrage into action and to really focus on on facts and truth and the shared values that we, we really do have in this country, although it's been quite frayed in the last four years. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I would I would encourage people also to um, when you're when you're sitting down at the table and you're writing out those postcards for the candidate of your choice, put some music on and play it. But not not political music necessarily, just some music you really like, you know, whether no matter what kind of music it is, you know, but uh, it helps to get your Barack Obama. Barack Obama does excellent playlists on Spotify. Oh, OK. Yeah. Pro tip right there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's you know, but that I mean, music soothes the soul and, uh, you know, and it keeps you keeps you going and keeps you, you know, keeps you bumping along. While you while you while you're uh, writing those postcards or whatever it is that you might be doing for uh, for local candidates and 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 I would say you know I, 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 it's always important in my view to, that you know it, and it, it's you know like let's be I, we learned in 2016 to not necessarily be to be very skeptical of polling uh, and to not you know at all rest on our laurels before the election but things are kind of looking good and. Uh, I remember in 20, let me think when it was, uh, 20 in 2008 when Barack Obama won, it actually had a um, a significant impact on uh, local races here in uh, in Central Oregon. That was the year that Judy Stiegler won the uh, state house race, uh, and um, she was in office for one term and two years. And and but it was there was the um, I guess I'll call them the coattails effect. So that mm-hmm. that possibly could could resonate very well uh, for um, progressive forces here in Central Oregon. But I guess what I would like to say is, like, no matter who gets elected at the city council level, state legislature, um, U.S. Senate, president, that we cannot 
stop organizing and mobilizing support. You know, we, we too often there's this tendency, I think, and we've just seen it too many times where we elect people are, are elected that we like. And then we just kind of dust off our hands and say, great, we did that and move on to something else where where what we really need to be doing is lighting a fire under those people's feet. Because it's really important to understand that that these people, powerful forces that disagree with us are relentlessly pushing them to do what they want. And that, that's hap- that'll happen to no matter who is who is elected. And it's we have a responsibility to build a movement uh, and light a fire under people's feet that are, you know, they might be some of our best friends that get elected to the city council. You might have to call them up someday and say, hey, look, you know, we need to get this done, you know. And I'm rambling, I'm rambling here, but, you know, you get what I mean. Sure. I mean, one of the critical uh, mission parts of the Indivisible Bend mission is that we hold our elected officials accountable. Right. And I don't care what party you're registered with. We, we're going to continue to hold electeds accountable to the progressive values that we think are important. Um, so, so that's definitely, um, I'll be excited to switch gears from sort of the, the electoral piece of what we've been doing and into the policy piece where I've, I have a whole lot of optimism post-election about the kind of um, change we're going to be able to see in, central, in Oregon, in Central Oregon, and across the nation um, that will push everyone toward shared prosperity, toward equity and inclusion, all of those things. I mean, the system has needs needs us, right? Yeah. We cannot function alone. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, I, you know, I think while there's a lot of optimism for especially what's going to happen in Oregon, um, that means that we also as Oregonians have an opportunity to really reach out and support our friends and family that are in states um, where this is is maybe going to be a, a lot more challenging around election time. Um, so, you know, if you, as you're reaching out to friends and family in other states, help them figure out what they have to do. Um, help them figure out what, what to do if they go to the polls and their ballot is refused, right? Help your friends and family figure out what the tools are to respond to any kind of voter suppression that they might see in their states. We have an opportunity as Oregonians to really um, be supporters for uh, for our progressive friends elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I don't have anything more to um, to necessarily raise in the conversation. I, I I always like to ask my guests if there's any um, you know any kind of final message that you haven't been able to to address any kind of final words that you have. Um, ben, it's uh, indivisibleben.org. I should say indivisibleben.org is the place to go. But uh, anything else, Amber Kaiser, that you want to want to impart, any message you want to give to our listeners? So two things. So we, we, we've been talking a little bit about what happens next, right, in terms of uh, policy. Um, there's a great book. By, that just came out by Elizabeth Rush called You Call This Democracy? And it's a, a, a nonpartisan look at the key issues that really are undermining us as a true democracy, things like gerrymandering and voter disenfranchisement, um, the Electoral College. And it has lots of really practical solutions for how we would address those issues and shore up our democratic process. So that's a great place, I think, if you're starting to look towards solutions. And what's the author's name again? 
Her name is Elizabeth Rush, R-U-S-C-H. Okay. It's a great title that's just come out. Um, it's a really nice crossover title for, like, young adult, college student, new-to-activism type folks. Um, it's great. And I think the second thing that I want our listeners to know is we're going to be okay. Right? We're going to be okay. We have um, amazing support for our progressive values and for our, our, for the democratic process. We are the majority across this country. We are. There are systems of power in place that have meant we have been experiencing minority rule, really, right? Where a small proportion of people is driving a lot of policy and it's not supported by the majority of Americans. Um, but there are far more of us. And I think we have a great opportunity to move this country in some wonderful directions. So I want people to hold on to that hope. Yeah. And, and then roll up their sleeves. And get involved in making it happen. Yeah, right on. We are many, they are few. Exactly. Um, but thanks again, Amber, for joining me, Amber Kaiser. I really, really appreciate it. You had some, just, it was really, I really enjoyed the conversation a great deal. Thanks for having me on. It was very calming, actually. <laughs> Good. Yeah. All right, well, let's, let's go out and do this, folks. All right, thanks again. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this KPOV podcast. KPOV is community radio for the high desert of Central Oregon. For more information and a program schedule, go to kpov.org. We value your feedback. Drop us a note at podcast at kpov.org.